Welcome to the Nucleus of Innovation, your leading retail and supply chain podcast with industry-leading guests tackling some of the most important and pressing topics and developments from around the globe. This includes the latest innovations in the logistics space today and how to prepare for the supply chain and retail challenges of tomorrow as well. We'll be doing something a little bit different with this episode. We've given James the day off of hosting the show. And um, today's episode is brought to you by author, publisher and industry commentator, me, Maya Knight. And also me, Natalie Berg, retail analyst and founder of NBK Retail. In today's episode, we will be continuing the all important discussion around the point of sale or pause, as we'll be referring to it throughout the podcast. Now, as we all know, the retail industry has undergone seismic structural shifts over the past decade. And in particular, during the past couple of years, we've witnessed an unprecedented level of change driven by the pandemic. So we've seen the almost overnight shift to e-commerce. We've seen shopping habits upended. Retailers recognizing the importance of agility and pivoting where needed. And of course, the urgency to digitize and remove friction from the physical store experience. So what does all of this mean for the point of sale? And how can retailers ensure they're seamlessly serving their customers across the plethora of touch points available to them today? These are just some of the topics we'll be exploring in today's podcast. I'm thrilled to be joined by two of Manhattan Associates' own experts. Both are new guests to the show, so Maya, let's go easy on them. (laughs) A huge welcome to Joe Kamara, who is based in the U.S., and also Isabel Piat from the Paris office. Thank you both for joining us today. Hi, thanks for inviting us today. Thank you, glad to be here. Absolutely great to have you both. Thank you so much, Isabel and Joe. So I'll kick off with the first question. What kind of ongoing challenges do you think um, traditional retailers have been experiencing as a result of the the boom in e-commerce to kind of set us off as a start of a 10 to segue into pause challenges? What have those e-commerce challenges been? Um, first, um, I would say that although the, day, the death of brick and mortar stores has been announced uh, a few years ago, uh, and even with the pandemic impacts, we now know that both models, uh, the digital and the physical, uh, will have to live together, So, uh, which means that retailers have to be present on both of them. Uh, but that's true, that that brings some challenging uh, challenges uh, for them. Um, And uh, on the physical front, if we are talking around the stores, uh, okay, stores still matter uh, for customers, that's the good news, but their expectations are uh, increasing um, and they want really a wow experience in store today. So um, the store needs really to transform from, uh, I would say, a point of sale to a point of services. Um, and that goes with corresponding tools. So the retailers have to be uh, able to uh, deploy, to roll out in uh, stores, new uh, generation POS, new uh, generation tools uh, to bring this uh, wow customer, ex- the customer experience, um, the consumer are expecting and bringing also some value to their uh, associates to uh, to uh, be able to build this with with uh, these new requirements the customer is uh, is asking for absolutely so, I, yeah i love that point of sale being point of service now as well um joe do you have any thoughts to build 
Yeah, you know, two two challenges um, our customers have, um, you know, come to mind for me. So one, you know, the challenges around inventory, right? We've, we've seen, you know, a lot talked about relative to supply chain challenges. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of brands um, pull back on the wholesale customer that they'll uh, sell their product through. So, so the first challenge, making inventory available in the right channels to maximize sales and margins, you know, has definitely been uh, an ongoing challenge. And then second, um, you know, as Isabel stated, you know, the adapting and changing, you know, role of not just the store, but the store associate is, is probably the second. So the first around inventory, um, you know, my, my customers, right, especially those that are retail wholesale and e-commerce, they, they struggle with how do you position inventory, you know, to deal with foot traffic in the store or to deal with, you know, your, 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 your high margin, you know, wholesale partners and how they sell your product through their retail stores and digital stores. Um, and then it comes to your own digital storefronts, right? How do you position inventory, you know, to support that, you know, ever increasing uh, demand that's coming? And, and, and the key thing that we hear is how do you quickly reposition, or as some of our customers like to say, uh, quickly steal inventory for other channels to satisfy, you know, e-commerce. So I think inventory has been, you know, critical. And, you know, as Isabel stated, um, you know, it, it's more than a point of sale or point of service that uh, supports that. Um, and we'll talk about that, you know, in, in, in some of the, the further questions. The second, um, adapting to the to the changing role of the store and store associate, um, you know, as we're seeing through the pandemic, um, more and more online customer orders are fulfilled from stores, you know, and, and clearly that was amplified through the pandemic. Um, so we've seen the specialty retailers and brands, you know, shifting from traditionally taking paid and taken sales and, you know, simply marking inventory in and out of stock to needing to equip their stores and store associates with mobile applications, right? And, and, and what do those store associates do with mobile applications? Well, they're becoming more and more, um, you know, personal shoppers, you know, helping the customer purchase something that's not physically in the store. You know, that's one end of it in terms of the pre-purchase and purchase experience. And then, uh, you know, the other changing role is, you know, they're becoming fulfillment experts, right? They're, they're doing picking and packing for online orders that are, shipped from store or picked up from store. So that dynamic, um, you know, we've seen, you know, just a couple of examples, a $10 billion retailer, specialty retailer, you know, with about a thousand stores now shipping 70% of their e-com orders from stores, right? Consumers expectation is I want it next day. Uh, right. And, you know, from a retailer's perspective, you know, leveraging their store network is the, is the fastest way to do that. You know, another example, you know, we've talked about in, in, in prior, um, discussions is Kendra Scott, right? And they responded to the pandemic shutting down stores in their Austin distribution center by implementing our ship from store solution in seven days. And then after that, they, you know, rolled out curbside pickup and, you know, other capabilities. So, you know, those two challenges, inventory and the adapting role of the store, you know, really ongoing challenges I think our customers will see into the future. Joe, I think that's really interesting. And I just sort of think combining what you and Isabel have just said, in my view, really sums up the store of the future because, you know, you're absolutely right. The stores can no longer just be about selling. It can no longer just be about product on the shelf. And if a retailer is still thinking, 
along those lines. Well, you know, it's just not fit for 21st century retelling, for 21st century shopping. And my own personal view is that um, in the future, stores need to do two things. They need to, on the one hand, do what Isabel said and offer an experience an experience that a screen can't deliver. Um, you know, you'd need to give shoppers a reason to ditch their screens and come through the door and have that human connection, uh, you know, community, discovery, curation, all these things that, you know, as great as online shopping is, really can't can't deliver. But on the other, the other kind of side of the coin here is that stores also need to be hubs for fulfillment and again that was one of those trends that had been brewing a long time before the pandemic but in my view has just been absolutely cemented by covid so fully agree with those points um i think i'd like to explore now where we're going because you know we all saw as i mentioned at the start of the podcast that virtual overnight shift to online shopping um people were shopping online because they had to, uh, they had no choice and retailers were forced to divert shoppers to, you know, let's face it, their least profitable channel. Um, we've all seen that hockey stick chart where, you know, if we look at e-commerce as a percentage of total retail sales, it just skyrocketed early Mar- early 2020. And now we're starting to get back to a new kind of normal. And I'm just wondering your thoughts on are consumers have have consumer habits changed forever? Um, are the habits that we learned during lockdown, uh, particularly around digital, going to outlast the pandemic, or are we be- we beginning to see signs that as COVID restrictions have eased globally, that shoppers are uh, reverting back to their old ways and, and coming back into the store? So, Isabel, if we can start with you, that would be great. That's true that customer behavior have changed and you're right, Natalie, uh, that, that was part of it was uh, uh, under the constraint of the of the pandemic. Uh, but it was for some of the customer, the opportunity also to become more familiar with the online shopping, to find some interest in it. So sure, it will change the way customer will be shopping now. Um, I think really customer will be will keep mixing digital and physical purchases. Uh, we are really in the digital era, I think so. Uh, and with back to more normal life, uh, we should see a rebalancing between both channels. Um, but I was reading um, uh, an interesting study here in France uh, last week and uh, where uh, 74% of French customers uh, say their behavior has definitively changed. Uh, only 12% were declaring uh, to go that they were going back to their uh, previous uh, habits. Uh, but I think um, we, we, we will find a new balance between two channels. And I think customer expectation are very high and will keep uh, um, raising. Uh, so the, the retailers have to be uh, good on, the, on both sides and offer the best experience on the web and uh, in the the physical stores, uh, if they want to succeed. Great, thanks, Isabel. And and Joe, I'd be really keen to hear your thoughts as well. And also maybe looking to um, the the sort of the race for the, the most frictionless in-store experience, I think, is, is a key part of this because, you know, during the pandemic, we, we obviously wanted to get in and out of stores as quickly as possible. It was all about safety and hygiene. And that kind of 
unintentionally accelerated another trend that had been brewing, which is the digitization of the bricks and mortar store. And, you know, we've seen things like um, checkout free shopping absolutely explode over the past couple of years out of necessity. But my view is that these kinds of things will stick. So I'm really interested to hear your thoughts around, you know, the, the role, future role of the store. Will shoppers continue to shop online? Will their expectations around bricks and mortar retail and the technology available to them in the store uh well, has that changed forever i i think it has and you know the consumer expectations we've seen over the last 18 months you know i don't not only will they continue um you know i think they'll 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 evolve right um you know you mentioned uh, self-checkout right that you know something that um you know will be table stakes at some point here in the near future um, so the fact is retailers and brands, right, they must be prepared to meet today's consumer shopping expectations. So whether foot traffic returns, you know, to 2019 levels, it has for some, but, you know, ac across the board, um, you know, I think that's really irrelevant because the, the fact of the matter is, um, you know, retailers and brands need to focus on providing a great uh, pre-purchase, purchase and post-purchase experience at every customer touch point, right? Especially when we, you know, have seen, you know, the facts, you know, now over the last, uh, you know, several years that the consumer journey, right, spans channels, right? I may research online, take that experience into the store and finally go back home and purchase. Um, and I need to be able to do all of those things seamlessly, right? I can't get to one channel and uh, it not have context of, um, you know, my preferences or, or, or what I want to purchase. You know, it's interesting you mentioned the frictionless experience in the store, right? That, that's been, you know, us as consumers, um, you know, we all experience, you know, the disappointment of uh, not being able to, you know, get that style, uh, color or size or, you know, product that the store just maybe doesn't stock. You know, and today, right, that uh, is not just maybe a lost unit sale, but it could be the entire sale that's lost uh, given consumer expectations for, frictionless, right, uh, ever satisfying experience in terms of uh, being able to to get inventory, no matter if it's physically in the place they're shopping um, or can be, um, you know, fulfilled from somewhere else. Um, yeah, so definitely over the last 18 months, we'll see that trend, you know, continue. And, you know, our customers are, are, are definitely focused on, you know, how to address that. And do you think retailers are doing enough in this space because, um, yes, we, we mentioned very briefly, you know, frictionless shopping and being able to, you know, get in and get out as quickly as possible, um, you know, for those very niche shopping missions, those con convenience-led, time-sensitive shopping missions. But I'm, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts around, you know, are retailers doing enough in terms of, you know, being able to save the sale and ensuring that staff are, you know, equipped with the right tech um to service customers because i think one one of the things that i'm seeing is that one of the the trends that's been accelerated by the pandemic has been the um the democratization of white glove service so you know we saw during the pandemic retailers again commendably pivot to put um you know virtual styling sessions online and and to connect online shoppers with in stores um in or staff. And I'm just wondering, you know, is, is enough being done when, it, for example, when a shopper walks into a store and, you know, they're armed with their own personal shopping companions, their mobile phones, um, 
and so empowered today. And is enough being done for retail from a retailer perspective to cater to that shopper who expects to shop on their terms? And and if they can't find something in stock, you know, they they'll easily you know use their phone and and be able to you know find it, source it elsewhere. So I'm just wondering, are retailers doing enough? And if they're not, what else can they do uh, to ensure that they are catering to today's uh, empowered and very demanding shopper? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, again, it gets back to, I mean, I think Isabel used the words, it's, it's you know, more than a point of sale, right? It's a, it's a point of service if we're talking about the, the store specifically. And, and store associates, right, in those locations, they must have capabilities, right, that span, you know, all of those uh, functions across the, the shopping lifecycle, right? So from pre-purchase to purchase to post-purchase. And, you know, like you mentioned, right, um, you know, and depending on the brand, um, you know, I, I want to come in and, and uh, have a personal shopping experience, right, into the store. Maybe it's virtual, um, you know, as we see those mediums changing, um, you know, with the pandemic and, and stores being closed, right, how do you still have that uh, experience through video or, or other means, Um you know, and, and, and from that, uh, as you help customers find the right product, right, how do you, how do you then transact, you know, against something that uh, maybe in a physical store, maybe in a warehouse, maybe coming from uh, one of your fulfillment partners? Um, you know, so that changing role of the associate, um, you know, to be equipped with, you know, again, more than just a point of sale, but with tools that can see the digital catalog, uh, can recommend uh, upsell and cross-sell product, right? I uh, can tie that to preferences maybe that I've left online in terms of a wish list or, um, you know, other other uh, 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 preference that, um, you know, I had through my shopping experience. So, you know, definitely the, the, the role of the, of the store, the store associate, you know, as we've mentioned, um, you know, really puts Manhattan Associates in an interesting spot um, because uh, most retailers, right, I think struggle from, not having a unified uh, set of systems from commerce all the way through supply chain and you know what we've seen and, and have been uh, bringing to market over over the last several years is a, is a unified set of systems that enable retailers really to connect the digital commerce experience through customer order management, point of sale, um, store operations as we've mentioned, and then from a supply chain standpoint, it even extends into uh, the warehouse right and how product is fulfilled there and, and clearly, you know, transportation and all of the ways that uh, we want to have, you know, immediate satisfaction is, is tied in. Um, so really knitting together all of those functions that, you know, traditionally span, you know, many disparate systems, you know, is really the direction we're seeing the market headed. And, uh, you know, that's really, uh, um, you know, one of the, the highest interests we're seeing from our customers in terms of their strategies to simplify their architecture but also deliver, right, that that consumer shopping experience uh, wherever that might be. I might just jump in here. That's great, Joe. Thank you for that, for answering that follow-up question of Natalie. I want to maybe steal some of that thunder and, and give it back to Isabel in the sense of linking the points you make at a, a broader um, strategic level uh, and bringing them to bear in the store from the point of sale. I mean, Isabel, what does what does all of this mean for retailer brand retailers and brands looking to entice consumers back into the store? Um, thinking specifically about sort of pause functionality. You guys have mentioned um, number of different you know uh, um, 
trends in terms of expectations, um, raising, um, Joe's mentioned pre, during and post service um, expectations as well, um, and services that you can offer. But what are you seeing that translate to from a, a retailer perspective in terms of actually drawing consumers back into the store? Uh, yeah, th th that's true. That the good point is that customers uh, say that physical stores uh, still matter, but they are expecting uh, this real wow experience in the store. So um, the retailers really have to transform the in-store experience. The store transformation is in progress. So retailers have to uh, to um, follow uh, this and. Uh, um, have to be able to bring new services, new capabilities, uh, which means new solutions in the store uh, and to to deal with the purchase experience, but also the post purchase experiences, because that's all that is very important for the customer. So. Um, uh, you have to, for example, uh, if you're we are talking about uh, booming of e-com orders, it means that also the retailers have to have a, a new challenge, which is which is uh, to have to deal to manage the return flow, uh, because uh, when you buy online, we know that uh, part of the these purchases will be turned into a return, so the return flow is very challenging for the retailers, and in the POS in the store, it means that. It means that uh, I need to be able to um, uh, retrieve any purchase done by the customer, whatever the channel. Okay, we are in the store, but in the store, I have to be able to uh, to see the online purchase of the customer and to trigger a return. And that has to be very easy for the customer, but also for the, the, the teams uh, in the store. So those kind of uh, capabilities are um, every uh, retailer has to offer them. The sales to sale is so important. So uh, how I can transform my customer um, disappointments because he can't uh, find the product is uh, just came uh, to buy in the store. Uh, he make this effort to come. So I really have uh, the retailer have to find a solution and the store needs the, the good uh, tool to offer this new service to the to the customer. So that's really um, uh, some new tools that have to be implemented in the stores, uh, which requires uh, behind uh, a very flexible and powerful uh, IT architecture, uh, because this, this means that uh, the retailer has to needs a good connection integration with many pieces of the IT uh, and needs to be able to bring that to the store. So, and that's for the customer satisfaction, but also for the uh, store associate satisfaction. That's really uh, a win-win win-win um, uh, win strategy. Uh, and that's very, very uh, the way the retailer has to work. Uh, and that's really the type of tools that the retailers have to bring into the stores uh, um, to be su successful and to keep their physical uh, customers uh, in the stores. Yeah, absolutely. A really great point you make about sort of keeping the store associates engaged. I mean, building on what, yeah. what Joe mentioned about live chat as well becoming um, prevalent. I mean, I, I, I've seen um, uh, a well-known Spanish fashion retailer, quite global, um, shall remain unnamed, but introduce a store mode on their mobile app 
which I think goes sort of hopefully draws together the points that Natalie was making, um, that Joe was making about that spanning the entire purchase journey, but also that you were making in terms of bringing the, the, the customers into the store. Um, but we're running out, you know, coming up to time, but just as a, a final, I think, um, point to, 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 to round us off, I'd like to maybe ask Joe a quick supplemental question, have you jump back in here, Joe? We've talked about a lot of the expectations, a lot of what's required. Um, you guys have done an amazing job in terms of describing the strategic approach that's needed, as well as what that should drill down to and look like from a capability perspective at point of sale in store. How do you see retailers measuring the success when in, in terms of meeting these expectations, delivering on these um, uh, seamless touch points, how are they measuring that success? Do you, do you think? So that's a great question. We we see retailers focused on the following in terms of uh, measuring success, and you know one of the things that that we do here at Manhattan Associates is, you know, you know we like to help our customers, you know, as they start their journey, build you know a well thought out roadmap. Right for how they're going to, you know, achieve these various, you know, unified commerce uh, strategies and initiatives. And typically, you know, that's a multiple phase, you know, effort that could span, uh, you know, a, a two or three years, depending on the scope of of the effort. Uh, and typically, each phase, right, is intended to fund the next. And whether a retailer starts with enabling uh, buy online and uh, ship from store. Um, you know, in an initiative like that, um, you know, you see retailers focused on uh, top line sales that that generates, right? By now making uh, inventory that otherwise wouldn't have been available to the online channel, you know, available. And for some retailers with store networks of size, that can be a, you know, 15, 20, 25% sales lift once you connect, you know, online in the store channel. Um, so that's great to take top line sales and increase it, but you know how do you make sure the bottom line and margins right don't don't get out of whack as you're asking the store, you know now to do things that require more labor dollars, right? So there's there's that definitely push and pull on uh, top line revenue, right? In the early years of Omni, uh, that was the goal, and now we're seeing as companies have evolved and matured their Omni capabilities, is a big focus on you know margins and profitability. Um, so, you know, number of, uh, of areas, no matter where someone starts in their journey, I think, you know, most of our customers have the same, you know, end state and goal in mind. And, uh, you know, the focus of these business cases and how they measure success is typically tied to sales, uh, you know, margins, uh, labor. And, you know, we've talked about inventory quite a bit in today's conversation. You know, so the net result typically is inventory is, you know, utilized far more efficiently and uh and focused on you know maximizing the channel that's going to drive the most margin brilliant yeah absolutely maximizing that that margin has to be the most um the, the most uh, important uh, strategic consideration for most retailers at the moment particularly given the situation that um that natalie so eloquently outlined at the top of our podcast but on that positive note no pun yes pun definitely intended um that draws us uh, to the end of our pause takeover of the Nucleus of Innovation podcast today. I'd like to thank our guests so much, Isabel Piat and Joe Kamara, for some great insight that has hopefully helped to really illuminate the topic of modern point of sale and all the benefits it can bring retailers and customers alike. 
And last, by no means least, I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to take part in any of the episodes, please do feel free to send a direct message via Twitter with a suggested topic. That Twitter handle you'll need is um, at Manhattan um, Man H Associates News. Or you can reach out to either Natalie, myself, or the Manhattan team on LinkedIn. Thank you, Maya. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to find out more about any of the topics discussed, you can also follow the hashtag BeMorePause for all the latest content and intel around modern pause solutions. Or if social media is not your thing, you can visit the newly refreshed pause dedicated section on Manhattan's own website. Stay well, everyone, and tune in again soon. Thank you.